want to preach to you tonight about oh, some things to consider about appearance. Some things to consider about your appearance. Oh, don't get quiet now. It's not going to be that bad. Amen. It's not going to be that rough. <clears throat> if this was next week when my face was healed up, it might be a little bit rough. But I don't think I've got the energy uh, to get very uh, rough tonight. Amen. Oh, at any rate, I took a cough drop a while ago, one I found in my pocket. So things are a little better right now. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Now let's read a few verses. And it says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray, O God, that you would, uh, Lord, strengthen me to say what must be said tonight. I pray that you would drive away distraction. I pray, God, that you would uh, help me, Lord, to uh, be clear and concise. God, I pray that you would help me uh, to say what must be said. I pray, O God, that you would help these to hear in the way that they ought to hear. I pray, O God, that you would help Uh, Lord, the folks that are out tonight, uh, for whatever reason, Lord, I pray that you would uh, deal with those things accordingly. Uh, Lord, correction where correction is needed. Uh, Mercy where mercy and grace where grace. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you'd help folks in whatever condition that they're in. I pray, God, you'd meet their needs, draw them closer to you. Help my brethren, God, across the country and uh, Lord, wherever the gospel's being preached, I pray, God, that you would help these brethren, God, night, tonight to preach the gospel in truth. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would deal with their hearts tonight. Help us to see, God, the true uh, uh, meaning or the true uh, value behind the way we appear in this dark world. And I thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's look back in verse number one now. And it says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he uh, knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now, let me say this. There's a difference in what you know and what you do with what you know. And if everything that you know uh, puffs you up, that's you know that's a good word to use. Uh, uh, puff you up. And I don't know, uh, you ladies probably know uh, a lot more about this and and uh, but some folks, you know, are, are better at stuff. You know, the culinary arts. Some folks know some things you can puff up. I don't know exactly how that works, and and I couldn't. I think about you know they call them marshmallow puffs or uh, mar- you know uh, whatever them things are. That's just a some kind of a uh, some kind of a something or another. It's just been puffed up. It's a b- big glob of. Junk, sugar, I guess that's right. Well, that's just puffed up. Well, the Bible says that you in your own mind could have a little mind, but yet be puffed up by by knowledge. And he said, if you think you stand or you think you know anything, you don't know nothing yet as you ought to know. The things that you know 
especially the things of God that you know ought to be used for somebody else and for the benefit of another. Paul says uh, uh, that he was the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. So there is it would, God didn't just give Paul knowledge for himself. But he gave Paul knowledge in order to use it for somebody else. So when your knowledge begins to be used for others. And when your Christianity begins to be uh, not just... Christianity for yourself but a ministry towards others then you know something that's when you really know something and so he says if you if you think you know something you don't know nothing as you ought to know but if any man love God the same is known of him now I wonder how that could be how could I look at you and just tell that you love God well it's not just it's not a neon sign on you forehead or nothing like that it's not it's nothing of the sort but the bible said that you can't love god and hate your brother right so any if any man loves god then naturally he loves his brother and love is not just words oh i love you right. that can be a phrase used to get an offering right. yeah. or to get a little girl to marry you yeah. <laughs> amen right. But just saying it doesn't mean nothing. It's the actions that are involved. The actions that are behind the words. And we'll pay for all that later on. Anyway, it's, a, it's the actions behind the words that mean something. So when the Bible says, if any man love God, the same is known of him. That means when a man is receiving from God and giving to others then that means you can tell he loves God. You can tell he knows God. So he says, now he switches gears here a little bit. And like I said, I am wanting to preach to you about your appearance. And he says, as concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world. Now you have to realize the difference between that day and this and in order to understand the context of the chapter here. Back in this day when Paul was preaching, it wasn't a Baptist society or a Christian society. It wasn't nothing like that. It was a very pagan society, which is what we're going to now, yeah. by the way. We're going back to that now. You may see some of this stuff in the future you may see some things in america you never thought you'd see before but at any rate there's already public demonstrations of lewdness there's already public demonstration of worshiping false gods we was talking about the super bowl halftime celebration nothing but worshiping the devil all those satanic satanic symbols that went on during that that's worship when something appears in your life whether you know it or not that's worship if the if the next teenage uh, musical hit star comes out and dresses a certain way, and then you got to dress that way too, that's that's worship. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I see these little teenage stars. It makes me want to <clears throat> first of all throw up in my mouth. Yeah. I seen a news clip with Justin Bieber on it. Boy, I wanted to sc- grab him up by his neck. And witness to him. <laughs> I wanted to tell him about the Lord real bad. I did. Amen. But the boy just, he needs a couple of whoopings first. And then tell him about the Lord. Amen. Some good discipline. If anybody in this world needs to go to the woodshed, it's that little kid right there. So Brother Mike, he's probably 25. Now I don't care if he's 35. Amen. Never too late to get started. 
Amen. But you know, the world sees these little people and goes off and gets just like them and acts just like them and dresses just like them. So, Brother Mike, ain't we got a right to wear whatever we want to? Yeah, but you got the thing you got to realize is is that the things that you wear, the way that you present yourself, the way that you appear to the world shows where your heart and your mind is set. Amen. So he says, but I want you to notice here, I want you to notice the thing. Uh, He says, as concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that the idol is nothing in the world. Well, Paul is talking to some people who are living amongst some very pagan religious people. They're sacrificing all sorts of things. You can go back in history and find folks sacrificing their own babies to Moloch. All sorts of wicked sacrifices taking place. Uh, live sacrifices, sacrificing people in some cases in these uh, pagan temples and such things as that. Well, one thing that they would do is they would take the meat. You know, when you and I sit down and eat, we don't sacrifice our meat to our God, but we thank our God. But as part of their worship, they would sacrifice. And then, and of course, you know, uh, oftentimes you'll... You'll hear about these old pagan, uh, these old pagan uh, traditions and stuff like that. And somebody will say, well, if you really study the church, then you'll go back and you'll find, oh, they had these buildings and they look like churches. And really, we're worshiping devils because we're meeting in a church. Or they'll say, well, you know, they meet at this time and they met at that time and all this stuff is pagan. It's pagan. Well, I got news for you. Those pagans were copying Solomon. You go back and you see all of these temples that the Greeks built and you look at them, you look at the columns out front, you look at everything about them and then go back and find you an authentic uh, reproduction of the temple. It was the pagans that were copying the one true God. It's not us that's copying the pagans. Don't let let your study stop in the dark ages. Keep rolling it on back, amen. You'll find God back there someplace. The Bible, uh, the Bible makes it clear that the devil likes to counterfeit God. Yeah. The Bible said that the angel appears, or that the devil appears as an angel of light. If the devil were to show up to you today, he wouldn't show you up. And, he wouldn't show up and scare you off. Right. He'd show up in a way where you'd think, "Well, I'm pretty safe around this guy, and he's trying to help me out." That's the way he would show up. So at this day and time when Paul is preaching, these people are sacrificing to these idols and these idol worshipers are getting saved according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, you turned to God from idols to serve the one true God, the living God. And so these people, what they're doing is after they're getting out of these cults and after they're getting out of these pagan temples and such as that, they're looking back on those things and they still believe that maybe that stuff has some power and it might get a hold of them and it might grasp at them. And in some cases they're thinking, hey, I still want to do that. But the Bible says, as far as the Christian is concerned, he said, that idol is nothing. And what he's basically going to tell you in this chapter, he says, if it wasn't for a couple of things, you could go right in that temple and sit right down with them and eat. He said, but there's one problem. There might be a weak brother on the outside. And that weak brother might see you in there eating. And it doesn't say he's going to get offended at you. That's the misinterpretation of the scripture. But he says they might be emboldened to go in there and offend because they're 
They don't have the faith like you got. Let's let's go on and read a little bit. Well, let's go. On, well, let me talk about this just a minute. He says, "Notice that verse right there." I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's all right. Cover it two or three times; uh, it might uh, have a better effect. Amen? Amen. Well, look down there at that that uh, portion of verse number four. He says, "We know that an idol is nothing." You see that an idol is nothing. The power that an idol has does not come from the idol. The power that an idol has is in the heart of the men that worship the idol. That's the power of uncleanness. If I were to walk by an idol and somebody was down on their face worshiping it, I could sit there and pat it on the head. It's not going to hurt me. Lightning ain't going to come out of that idol and hit me. Matter of fact, I could kick it over if I wasn't afraid he'd shoot me over it. (laughs) Folks will shoot you over their idols. You want to know? You, I don't think so, Brother Mike. People are more lenient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you come around sometime when me and my brother's around, I make fun of Elvis Presley. <laughs> my brother about beat me up over Elvis, man. My brother's younger than me and stuck on Elvis. He's worse than a 60-year-old woman. <laughs> I know you older ladies like Elvis and stuff like that. You hit on Elvis, you liable to die, son. The Memphis Dreamboat. that's just a modern day idol but the idol's nothing the Bible said idol's nothing ain't got no power ain't got no power now there's some uh, demonic stuff behind it I said that to say this you know you see folks they're wearing the talismans and the dream catchers and stuff like that Now, now listen I know and I understand that stuff is nothing I heard a preacher's wife say she said back when she was in college and she wasn't saved yet, she said this Catholic uh, priest that uh, was a Jesuit priest gave her a rosary. She took it home and she said she hung it up in her house. She said weird things started happening. Well, the weird things wasn't because you had a rosary hanging in your house. The rosary's not doing nothing. The rosary doesn't have any power. The rosary don't have any more power uh, than a demonic... Uh, pendulum hanging around your neck with us. Oh, that's 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 witchcraft. It surely is, but the witchcraft ain't in that pentagram. And she said, "Oh, well, this weird stuff started happening, and so I got rid of it." Well, I'm sorry, but you didn't get if you didn't get saved, you didn't get rid of the spirit that was behind it. The spirit don't live, and the spirit's not trapped. See, this this world has just lost its mind. They say, well, you know, you get a Ouija board and that thing's possessed. No, the Ouija board ain't possessed. (laughs) That's exactly right. You are. Amen. My old preacher used to have this saying. He used to say, uh, people would say, back in the early or the late 70s and the, the early 80s, there was this great controversy. Can a Christian be possessed by the devil? And my preacher had the best answer to that I ever heard in my life. He said, if a devil can control what you're doing, what's the difference if he's in you or out of you? And that's what, listen, that, that's what demon possession is. You're in possession of. People think possession means in you. Possession don't mean in you. Possession means in possession of. In control of. See this Bible I got here? It's possessed of me. Now it's indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This book is. This book, and you never thought of that. You know, they, they hang this thing up on the wall. It's called a dream catcher. That's going to keep all of my dreams safe. 
They think there's something in that thing that's going to help them. There ain't nothing in that thing that's going to help them. There's something in this thing that's going to help me. This is indwell. This is something that truly is indwell. I hope you're understanding where I'm getting at tonight. Look, you get a little dream catcher or a rosary or uh, some necklace with a pentagram on it. People give those things credit as if they are something. They ain't nothing. But what they are, listen, uh, keeping on subject to what my sermon's about tonight, they are identifiers. Now, if you want to be messed around with by a spirit, go hang a dream catcher up in your house. Or put a peace sign. Up in your house. I told a man one time I went in his house and I saw all these peace signs. I said, my dear brother, you better get rid of that stuff. That's going to get you. That's going to hurt you. That's going to harm you. Ah. But it's not the little peace sign on the wall that's harming him. It's the fact that he's hung it up and he's identified himself. Now, you identify yourself. You're going to draw whatever you draw. I guess I've used a, a, a very carnal uh, illustration, but it's going to work. You'll understand it. Uh, and what we're talking about is identifiers. We're talking about our appearance to the world. We're talking about identifiers. Just think about it this way. All of you probably in one way, shape, or form could identify with this. No self-respecting Dallas Cowboys fan is going to put on a Philadelphia Eagles shirt. Now you see what I'm talking about now? It's identification. No, whatever your favorite team is, that's Florida State. Y'all remember little Josh Howe? Crazy little fella. Always running around here. He didn't never wear no Georgia stuff. Florida, Florida, Florida. I wish I could have whooped him every time he said Florida. He needed a whooping, amen? Not because of Florida. He needed a whooping because he needs... Serious help. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But if any of you ladies run into him any worse, whoop him, okay? Give him a whooping. Amen. But at any rate, what I'm talking about is identification. You put on your Dallas Cowboys shirt and walk down the street, somebody will say, oh, that team stinks. You put on one in Philadelphia, you get beat up. Yeah. That's just the way that it is. People identify, and when you identify, you draw folks. Draws folks in. Draws, it draws attention. Now, you hang up something in your house that ought not to be, you're going to draw bad spirits. Yeah. It's not the thing that has problems. You've just identified yourself as somebody that's open to that superstitious sort of thing. That's why, you know, and I used to, I used to get real extreme about things. They're not wearing no necklace. You're just a, you know, faggot. You wear a necklace. That's the way I used to think about things like that. Then I actually read in my Bible. Daniel had a necklace. Joseph had a necklace. Of course, it was a symbol of power. It wasn't a symbol that he was, you know, a millionaire or nothing like that. He wasn't trying to dress up. Now I'm talking about men. You ladies, relax. I'm talking about ladies' necklace. But I've seen that stuff, so I backed off of that a little bit. You know, if a man wants to wear a necklace, I, I guess that's all right. I'm not going to do it still. Amen. Now, I feel like in the Bible, it, you know, I don't have to go around judging every man that wears jewelry. I'm not, not, I used to be that way. I'm not going to be like, but still, I feel like I, I don't feel very, you know, Manly with a bunch of jewelry on, stuff like that, necklace and stuff like that. But you know, one thing I, I definitely don't wear is I don't wear any crosses with, I don't wear necklaces with crosses or 
rings with crosses or uh, you know I wouldn't do nothing like that because you're taking something that's supposed to have power and you're just wearing it like it's and well I just wear it because it looks nice a cross looks nice most people when they wear a cross they think that has some religious and it means something to them if I just have this cross then it's going to now see what you're doing is you're changing true religion and undefiled into superstition and the devil know and see. The Bible says a woman ought to have a covering on her, on her head because of the angels. The Bible says that covering on her head shows that she's under submission and when the angels see it, there's some sort of a protection there. You say explain it. No, the Bible didn't explain it. That's just what it said. Amen? So if I was a woman and I wanted to cut all my hair off, oh, that woman, she, she's so sinful, she cut all her hair off. No, that's not what it says. If you want to cut your hair off, get you a hat. <laughs> I mean, you, you're welcome to cut it all off, lop it off. You know, uh, the charismatic folks said, you women, you've got to have this real long hair and you've got to put it up. That's baloney. That's a bunch of baloney. But if you're going to cut it off, you better get yourself a covering. All those Middle Eastern women wear a covering. That's not, just, that's not just religion. God told them to do it. It's a protection there. There's a protection there. Now, of course, if it's just vain religion, it don't mean nothing anyway. Because God looks on the heart. But at least God, God give you a method of, of protection in spiritual things and you ought to use it. So certain things mean stuff and certain things identify it identifies. Now, if the Lord seen me, or excuse me, not the Lord, if the world seen me walking down the street with them 1970s basketball shorts on, y'all remember those days? Woo! You want to get a laugh out of some young folks? Put up a picture of 70s basketball players. You want to know the funniest picture on the planet? Listen, I don't even think you'd fall into temptation if you went home and looked at it. Go home and look up a picture of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his basketball uniform. He's got like six miles of legs hanging out of about three inches of shorts. (laughs) He looks like that Gumby thing. They done stretched out a mile. That's hilarious. That ain't tempt. That ain't tempting whatsoever. That's just. That's just. Ugh, makes you want crazy stuff. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Well, if you were to see me walking, I mean, you. I mean, right away, you wouldn't think of me as no Christian if I was to be dressed like that. Amen. You say, well, you talking about girls, ain't you? No, I'm talking about everybody. Did you know, did you know, listen, did you know, and listen, I might lose some friends here tonight. I preached I preach right along these lines at youth camp about six or seven years ago, and some of them preachers ain't never called me back or talked to me since. <laughs> did you know modesty applies to men just as well as it does to women? Did you know that there is men that will stand in the pulpit and preach against women having anything on above their knees and they'll get in their little basketball shorts and go anywhere they want to go? Well, if a woman can't have nothing on above her knee, why can you? 
right. You say, well, ain't nobody gonna lust over ugly old me. Ain't nobody might not nobody lust over your old ugly wife and daughters either. <laughs> Listen, modesty doesn't matter about what you look like. Modesty matters about what you appear to the world. When they see you covered up, when they see you modest, when they see you looking like a Christian ought to look, then that's where things begin to have its power. Amen? Amen. Have I lost some friends now? You fellas put your clothes on now when you go out and about. I thought I heard the little uh, crickets are cricking outside. Brother Mike, I really thought you had changed. I thought you was on this about not following rules. No, that ain't what I said. You heard what you wanted to hear. I said you start seeking for God first. That didn't mean we was going to do away with the rules. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, when something so blatantly represents the opposition, we ought to consider abstaining from it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Let's read some more in this chapter here before I move on. He says, oh, let me read the end of verse 4 again. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. I noticed that drawed a couple of amens a while ago. I like that. Yeah. I like amens. You're allowed to say amen. I saw Wednesday night, I saw a couple of people high-fiving. On my way home, I was thinking about high five. Yeah, that's good. Amen. We'll take we'll take amens and high fives. We'll take it. Amen. Shows a little bit of, of inspiration there. But at any rate, we'll take high fives. You know, seventy years from now, we'll be talking about old time religion. Yeah, they used to run around the church and high five. Now they talk about how they used to say hallelujah and. You know, run the bases and stuff like that. Now they high five them. That's all right. It means I think a high five means amen, don't it? <laughs> Depends on what you high five, and I guess. Well, he says there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God. The Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. He says, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. You can't eat nothing offered to an idol and it make you better. And if you, don't, if you abstain from eating it, you're not going to get worse off. Did you know if you quit doing some of these things you've been doing out here in the world, it's not going to make you any worse. You say, well, if I don't do it, I'll die. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're certainly not going to die. I can remember trying to give up some things I thought I was going to die. And I just about did die until the Lord actually helped me to give up the things that I didn't die. When I was in the Marines, I thought if I didn't use a certain kind of language, I wasn't going to add up. But boy, when the Lord got a hold of my heart and I got right with God after being back for so long, I found out I didn't have to to, uh, present myself that way. 
Right. Amen. Right. And when my when the fellow said, "Let's go drink some beers," I found out, hey, I don't have to drink no beers. Right. You're not going to be the worse if you if you abstain. You're not going to die. Right. Amen. Amen. So he says, uh, "But meat commendeth uh, not commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat." Are we the better? Neither if we eat not, are we the worse? But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now, of course, now we're talking about two saved brethren. You're not talking about somebody offering to idols and somebody that's saved. Now you're talking about somebody that's been saved out of idol worship. He said, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Did you know some people are strong in faith? Some people are weak in faith. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall, uh, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? So they might say, well, brother, so-and-so is doing it, so that means I can do it. I've been worried. See, a man's heart when he really truly repents toward God, when he realizes that God has what he needs and that he doesn't have what he needs to make his life complete and whole and holy, when a man realizes that God is the answer and his own heart is not the answer, when he realizes that, he begins to seek God's ways. And then when he's in that transition from a worldly life to a godly life and he's learning what is right to do, he's looking back on the things he used to do as temptations, but he's also looking back on them as danger. The wages of sin is death. And if you got saved, you realized one thing. Your life is killing you. So there's a place where a man is in transition from a lost worldly life to a Christian life. And by the way, in that transition, your life is getting better. And there's no question about that. But when you're looking back on those things that you used to do before you were saved, sometimes they look awful good, don't they? Sometimes it's not even the sinful attraction of the thing. Sometimes it's just the nostalgia of the thing. Amen? I had a preacher tell me one time, you know, and he grew up in the era of the 50s, and he was talking about music, and he said, I don't believe it's a sin to listen to 50s music. He said, because God, the devil used the music in the 50s, but he's using 90s music now. I was like, well, if that's the way you feel about it and this, that, and the other. I said, you know, I don't like 50s music that good myself, so, you know, whatever. But he went on ahead listening to it. And you know what I think? I think it was just nostalgic to him. It reminded him of the good old days and reminded him of... And you know, doing the twist or whatever, the crazy stuff, or whatever them songs was about back in those days. It's probably not. It's probably truly not as bad as anthrax, kill your mama, and stuff like that. I can see the difference in the level of sin, but you know that fellow. That fellow got into listening to that stuff, and next thing you know, he's out of the ministry, committed terrible things. And I'm not going to go through all that stuff. I could if I wanted to, but don't feel like it. But it got him messed up. Sometimes the allure of the things you used to do, just nostalgia. Not that you want to go back and sin and do all these things, but what you've got to realize is, is those things are temptations to draw you away from a spiritual life. Yeah. A thing doesn't have to be wicked to be dangerous. It could just be carnal and feed the flesh and drag you away from the things that are spiritual. Right. 
There is mainline secular music out there and the only danger, they're not wicked, but the danger in it is the carnal aspect that will drag you away from the spiritual. Amen? Probably one of the worst, probably one of the worst uh, services I've ever sat in. I sat on the front row and here comes this little girl up to the pulpit to... Not here, of course, but she came up to the pulpit to sing. She's wearing a miniskirt, first of all. And she plops down right there and I'm sitting on the front row praying. Just to keep free from, from all harm, amen? amen? And then she gets up there and sings this song. I can't remember what it was about now, but I hadn't been, I hadn't been right with God that long. I mean, maybe a year or two. I knew what the song was. I heard on Top 40 Country Music. And it was just a simple little song and we're all going to have angel wings or some crazy mess like that. And you know, it's not, it's not wicked. It's not telling you to kill your mama. It's not, but in the spiritual sense, it's not right because it's just carnal mess. And it got in the church and the church blew up and everybody's come to this carnal church where they allow everything to go. Next thing you know, the preacher's running off with several women in the church. It's, just, it's not because they set their heart on, hey, I'm going to go out and be wicked. No, it's because they got they gave place to the carnal flesh, and the carnal flesh just leads to certain places. That's just the way it is. You don't have to look. Listen, you. Don't, I mean, you don't have to set your heart on wickedness to be led to it. Just start little. There you go. How does anybody become a cocaine addict? How does anybody become a meth addict? How does it? My little my little nephew just got admitted to a rehab in North Carolina for using heroin. How did he get there? Oh well, you know, come on out with us. It'll be all right. Run with the wrong crowd. Didn't start. Didn't start with a cigarette. Started with just hanging with the wrong crowd. Oh, they look cool. Appearance. That's what I'm preaching to you about tonight. Appearance. Those guys look cool. One carnal thing leads to the next and it builds. And it's, Anybody ever lived in a place where they had hills? I know this is a flat ground. Y'all ain't even got snow, so you don't really know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever lived in a place where they have both hills and snow, you know what I'm talking about. Roll that snowball down the hill. What does it do? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what your flesh will do. Just give in to the carnal appearance and it'll grow. And grow and grow and grow yeah. and grow. Amen. And then just the carnal friends will turn into what your carnal friends are doing. Smoking, drinking. And that will turn into marijuana and it will turn into something else. Yeah. Right. Turn into something else. Yeah. I had a talk with my brother a lot long, my older brother, a lot of years ago. And I said, man, I think you're on the wrong path. And I really didn't know how to witness much at that time. And at that time, you know, all I had really was concern. That's really all I had. Didn't have much knowledge about nothing. And I said, man, he said, well, I'm not doing nothing real bad. And he said, I've been doing it all this time. I'm not getting worse and worse like you guys, like Christians say. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a way to convince him. But you said he had been doing the same thing for years. So, you know, it's hard for me to figure out. But boy, now that I look at his son... I wish I would have had that to roll out. See, sometimes the snowball, when it gets bigger, it's not going to get bigger in your life. It's going to get bigger in somebody else's life. Daddy did it. 
Better do what God does, not what Daddy does, unless God, Daddy's trying to do right. And listen, I'm not trying to drive no wedges in between. If your Daddy's a steel worker, you be a steel worker. I'm not talking about stuff like I'm talking about the sinful things of this world, the unspiritual things of this world. You Daddies, be careful what you let your sons see you do. The snowball will be bigger in their life than it is in yours. And really that's all it takes for a man. Just how it appears. A lot of times the appearance is enough. The results don't even matter to most people. It just looks good. Look at all the attention they get. Just by the way they look. I don't know her name and I don't keep up with stuff like this too much. But sometimes stories come down the pike and you just remember them. You remember a couple of years ago they found this woman dead. On drugs, and she was this supposed to be a, a model that looked like Marilyn Monroe. I can't remember what her name is, but some of you might remember that on the news. And this lady, she patterned her life after Marilyn, and she tried to look like Marilyn, and she ended up just like Marilyn, dead on drugs. Somebody probably killed her. What was that lady's name? Anybody know? Anna Nicole. That's exactly what it was. See, she just saw this appearance, and that, and listen, it wouldn't. I don't know what all it was, but it certainly was just the appearance. I'm going to be like her. I'm going to act like her. I'm going to smile like her. I'm going to laugh like her. But little did she know, she was going to die like her. Little did she know, die like her. You think when Hank Williams wrote, I saw the light, you think he was thought he was going to die drunk in the back of a Cadillac? That wasn't his aim. The snowball got too big for him. Just appearance. If you don't know by now that that music industry and that television industry is just about image and selling you the image, listen. Why can't you? Why can't you see if it's happening to the people that are putting it out? It's going to happen to the people that follow. How many people do you know that's died by alcohol? How many people do you know that's died by cancer? My old grandmother laying in the bed her last days suffering because of that cigarette. How many people do you know? How many people are we going to have to see dying that way before we learn to break our attraction to that stuff? Well, there's something about a pretty picture. That's just irresistible, ain't it? Look at all these years people have been looking at the Mona Lisa. Oh, it's the greatest picture. Looks like it'd get old after a while. Look at all the people that said, oh, look how cool they look. Look how cool they look doing those things. But yet they keep following and keep dying. I don't know. I guess never till the Lord comes back. Well, you say, Brother Mike, how ought we to look? Well, let me read this first. He says in verse 8, Meat commendeth not us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Listen, just because you're spiritual enough or you know enough to know uh, not... Uh, to get involved with some kind of spiritual wickedness, you ought to realize that the things you allow are going to uh, affect others. Somebody's going to be be weak. Somebody's not going to have as much knowledge as you. Somebody's not going to have as much understanding as you do. 
And when they see you do it, look in verse 10. He says, For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him that which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And then look in verse number 13. Wherefore, if meat makes my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. That doesn't say, unless I offend my brother. You know, we mistranslate that. In the Baptist church, we mistranslate that verse. And we say, well, if you do something that offends somebody else, you ain't supposed to do it. That's not what the verse says. The verse says you ought not to do anything that makes somebody else offend God. It didn't say make them offended. It says make them to offend. In other words, when they see you doing something, and they think, well, it's okay to do it. And they go ahead and do it. And you say, why would something that you do not be offensive to God? But if somebody else did it, it would be offensive to God. Because the Bible says that which is not of faith is sin. Somebody looking back on something and they're thinking, that was a sin. That was a terrible thing in my life. I better stay away from it. Maybe it never gave you a problem. And you know there's nothing to it. But that person, it's one of the things that makes them weak. When they see you do it, they say, I'm going to go back and do it. And it'll be offensive towards God because they can't do it by faith. They couldn't do it with a clear conscience that it was all right to do it. The Bible says that's a sin. People ask me sometimes, well, what's wrong with music? What's wrong with all this stuff? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. You can't sit there without God bothering your conscience about it. Have you sat down and watched 30 minute sitcom and nothing bothers you and there's no alarm bells going off? That's okay, buddy. That's okay. You've got faith. If you sit there and the Lord's going, should you really be doing this? And if your own conscience is saying, should I really be doing this? Hey, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to turn the television off and go pray a little while. And if you can't get to the place where you can watch that program without your conscience bothering you while you're praying about it, and I'll tell you what, just stop praying about it and keep watching and your conscience will get burned to a cinder and won't nothing bother you. Then you'll get off down the road and you'll be twice as worse as you was at the first, the Bible says. But I tell you what, something bothers you. So that little voice says, maybe you ought not be here. Maybe you ought not be around this crowd. Maybe you ought not to be doing this. Maybe you ought not to be partaking in this. Maybe you ought... Boy, I tell you what, that's the time to go pray. Because if you can't do it without your conscience bothering you, that means you're not doing it by faith. Faith is a wonderful thing. And the fact of the matter is, you know whether you've got it or not. Because your conscience will be blaring at you. Amen. And the Bible says if you, if you as a Christian, you know it's okay to do, and you do it in front of somebody that's weak, you're going to cause them to offend because they don't have that same knowledge. And what we're talking about is spiritual maturity. And some of you may not even know what I'm talking about, but that's what that chapter is all about. Basically, listen, in a, in a roundabout way, what it's saying is, is if it wasn't offensive to anybody, you could go right into a pagan temple and sit down and eat a T-bone steak that they just offered to the devil. Best thing I ever eat. Let me tell you all about Jesus before I leave. But the fact that some Christian might come down the road and say, hey, he's up there in the idol's temple. That's what I used to do before I got saved. Maybe it'd be alright for me to go back in there. But see, in the back of his mind, he still thinks that idol has some power. It's like the preacher said, well, after I got saved, I went back to the beer joint. I was, and maybe that's okay. I guess maybe that's okay for them. But I tell you what, I wouldn't get caught dead in the beer joint today. 
I'd be afraid I'd walk out and somebody right by and they've been drinking before they got saved. They said, there comes a preacher right out the beer joint. Right. I was up at the Flash Foods the other day and I bought one of them little cans of Red Bull. The little can. I see people drinking them great big old things like, my soul. <clears throat> trying to disinfect their brain or something, all that stuff. But I got one of them little cans and the lady took one of them little brown paper bags, slipped that thing in there. I picked it up after I paid for it. I picked it up and I said, I better let you keep this little bag. Amen. I walked out with it in my just red I wouldn't walk out of a store with nothing in a little brown bag for nothing. Every one of you knows what that means, don't you? Even the ones that never messed with beer knows what that stuff is, don't you? That brown bag got a got a personality all of its own. <laughs> Amen. Leave leave that alone. Abstain from that. Boy, I, I think I'm going to quit right there. But but listen, I, I just listen. First Thessalonians. Let me just give you these real quick. The Bible says abstain six times in your New Testament. You know, people would think that abstain appears nine million times in the Bible. And it does have different forms, I will grant you that. But the actual word abstain, uh, the first mention of it is in Acts chapter 15. And it, it kind of, from Acts chapter 15, and then it goes, they use the word abstain all the way up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And from the first time they said abstain, the list of things you ought to abstain from grows considerably. In uh, in Acts chapter 15, they said, well, we want you... They're trying to... You know, they're debating whether or not you've got to keep the law in order to stay saved. And so they, they come to the fact that, hey, we're not saved by keeping the law. He said, but I will... He said, but we are going to pass this word to the churches. They need to abstain from fornication. They need to abstain from things that are strangled, been strangled. Exactly what Paul's talking about here, offered to idols. And they're going over this list of things and they're saying, you've got to abstain from these things. Just pass that. And he said, if you do that, you'll be doing well. By the time you get over to 1 Peter chapter 2, Simon Peter says, you ought to abstain from everything that will war against your soul. So anything that will cause a conflict, anything that would lead you astray, anything that would guide you in a way you ought not to go, he says you ought to abstain from. That's a much bigger list than there is in Acts 15. See, in Acts chapter 1, they didn't have a Christian understanding. The cross just had taken place. They didn't have that understanding like we got now after the whole Bible's been written and after 2,000 years of studying it. They just didn't have the same knowledge. But they had the Spirit of God. And so he, there is a doctrine of abstinence in your New Testament. And it grows from Acts chapter 15 all the way up. But I didn't go through all of those things. Some of them have different meanings. Some of them don't even apply to this message when they use the word abstain. But I just want to give you just a few verses. And one of them tells you to abstain. And it says this. What are we preaching about? Appearances? He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. If it looks bad, just don't do it. He said, Brother Mike, you can't tell me what to do. Please get it through your head. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm trying to tell you how to appear like a Christian. If it looks bad, just don't do it. Amen. 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 Now listen, if you was to wear sideburns today, that wouldn't bother me a bit. But there was a time when there was a time when these all these Christian boys started wearing sideburns. And they were doing it just because some actor done it. 
It looks cool. It's the fad. Hey, when things become a fad, I'm done with it. Amen? And the, there was my cousin one time came in with this goatee. Ain't nothing wrong with a goatee. It's facial hair. But I said, who are you trying to be, Steve Austin? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to be? Trying to be the big bad wrestling man? Well, listen, if you're trying to promote the look of Steve Austin, it's wrong. Right. He said, no, I ain't trying to... I said, you kind of look like him. <laughs> Your t-shirt's a little tight there, big boy. <laughs> of course, I was just picking on him. But you see, I mean, the th- it's, it's not what a thing is necessarily. It's how it appears. All appearance of evil. Now, when you think of Steve Austin, do you think of as a Sunday school teacher? Or do you think of a drunken sot? Just out raising hell. Is that what you think of? Well, if you're trying to look like him, it's... Amen. Amen. Of course, all that stuff's going now. But, you know, things come and go. The sideburn thing come and go. That's come and gone a couple of times, ain't it, Elvis? (laughs) Stuff comes and goes. Amen. When a big fad like that comes and the world picks it up, Maybe it's time for you to lay it down a little while, so you don't look like you're going along with the world. Amen. I used to listen to I used to listen to bluegrass music all the time. They put out a movie called Old Brother Where Art Thou, and the whole world kind of got bluegrass fever for a little bit. I'm not saying I quit listening to bluegrass, but I kind of toned it down a little bit there because it seemed like the devil tried to use it for a little bit. Of course, it didn't gain too much steam because the world can't handle bluegrass music. <laughs> <laughs> There's some reasons for that, but I won't go over that right now. Abstain from all appearance of evil, the Bible says. There's some times when you ought to be wise. It might be wise for you to do things differently for a short time. Amen? Sometimes it's not about just quitting doing the thing. Sometimes it's you ought to hold off a little while. Sometimes there ought to be some patient waiting and praying about a thing. So you don't look, you know, like the world looks. Amen. Amen. I see, uh, you know, you will go around. I think this come from that Justin Bieber fella. But they got these, uh, everywhere I go now, youth camps, malls, anywhere you go. All these kids have taken and pulled their hair from the back of their head. Pulled it right up to the front. Something that I'm sure our teachers would have beat our britches off for back in 1975. Just pull it all up to the front. I said, Brother Mike, you think that's wrong? No, you wait 10 years from now and do it. It probably won't be wrong at all. But now that all the devil's crowd's doing it, it's wrong. Because it appears evil. Amen? It appears like what the world's crowd is doing. And once the devil picks it up and uses it, I wouldn't want to be caught looking like that. Amen? You know what mystifies me? Oh, it's just fads, Brother Mike. It's just dress. wonder why the devil's crowd ain't never took up suits and ties. The devil don't do nothing decent. My old grandpa, he used to plow a field with a, with a mule and work hard all day. 
And it looks like to me, if he was as lazy as me, he'd come in and get in his pajamas and lay around for the rest of the day after working that hard. What did he do? He'd come in and put on a shirt and a tie. Dirt poor farmer. Just wanted to look decent in case somebody stopped by or somebody seen him walking around in the yard. My grandma, it was her daddy, she said he just wanted to look good. The devil ain't going to do nothing like that. The devil ain't going to lead people to do nothing like that. Just decency. Mm, Modesty and decency. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Have I preached too long? Super Bowl lasted three hours. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number... 8 and 9. said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Not worldly hands, holy hands. Without wrath and doubting. In like manner also. You see those words right there? In like manner also. Means just like the man. Right? In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. That means men supposed to adorn themselves in modest apparel too. That's what I lost all them friends over. Amen. I said, and I said, really, I said this just to be mean. I said, you preachers wearing shorts, backslid. <laughs> Every one of them at that camp been wearing shorts all week. And if my bird legs wasn't bird legs, I would have probably been wearing them too. Of course, they'd have been down below my knees. But I don't wear shorts if I can help it. Not in front of nobody too much. Amen. But you know why I did it? I did it because all them fellas ever talk about is what women's got on. What about them men? Men's supposed to be modest too. With holy hands. Amen. This ain't beat up on the women time when you go to church and preach. Amen. I'll take that money after service, ladies. <laughs> Amen. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Modesty goes for men and women. And listen, don't cause your brother to get offended. Don't cause your brother to get... That's the three points that I had. I kind of spent a long time getting to those points. But listen, pay attention to those things. It's not necessarily about what you can and can't do. Of course, it eventually gets to that, you understand. But it's not about that first and foremost. It's how do you appear? How do men see you? How do other Christian men see you? How do worldly men see you? Do they see you as a Christian? Or do they see you just as part of the world? The Bible said, uh, you know, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. A kinship, that uh, camaraderie with the world, just looking like they look and acting like they act and whatever the case may be. What do people see? What does man see in you? So it don't matter what man sees, it does matter. It does matter. I've heard people, I've heard shake their fists and say, the only person that matters is God. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way that rapper sees it. Only God can judge me. Well, he's going to. Not to mention, he already has. Amen. Let me give you some advice. Don't take your advice for living from anybody who calls themselves 50 cent. That's about how much, well, it ain't even worth that, amen? His advice ain't worth 50 cents. If you call yourself Ice Cube or Eminem, 
or any such foolishness as that. Don't tell me how to vote, how to live my life. Don't tell me what's cool, what's not cool. Okay? I wish people understood that. Amen. Got the God of the universe, gave you a Bible to figure out what's right and wrong. Take your advice from God. How does your, man, how does your fellow man see you? How does your brother in Christ see you? How does God see you? And how do you see yourself? Boy, I want you to go home with that one. Will you? Go home and say, what do I think of myself? Do you think of yourself as a Christian? Listen, when you get up in the morning, you can forget it. Listen, if you want to, you can forget everything I've said till now. When you get up in the morning, you're putting on your clothes. You're getting ready to go about your day. What do you think about yourself? And if you'll, if you'll be honest about what you're thinking about yourself when you're getting ready to present yourself to the world, you don't have to worry about my judgmental attitude or my bigoted closed-mindedness or my Baptist theology. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. If you could just remember what you're thinking when you're putting on your clothes and getting ready to present yourself to the world, that's who you are. If the thought comes across your mind, boy, he's really going to like this. Boy, she's really going to think I'm something. Boy, the fellas are really going to think I've arrived. When those thoughts are all indicators. And though, listen, don't tell me it don't go on. When everybody gets dressed, they think about that. You say, well, I don't. Well, then you might be the one spiritual person among us then. I mean, if you just get up and dress to be... A working man. I mean, I guess you've made it, amen. But 99% of the world, they've been so ingrained with their appearance through the television set and through the music industry that they, they, they're in bondage to it. And matter of fact, if you've been living that way, you might be a little bit mad at me now. But I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to help you. Listen, when you put on your clothes and, and you're thinking about the reasons you're putting that on, that tells, that tells the whole story. That tells where you're at in your Christian life. Amen. Now some of you folks, you know, you're <clears throat> like me, you get above 40 and you don't have no physical form. And all your teeth, your teeth's falling out and your hair's gone. You ain't got nobody to impress no more. But there's a whole bunch of young folks around here that do that very thing when they get up in the morning. Hey, if you can, if you can beat that image thing while you're 15, boy, you've got a great life coming, ahead, coming, for, coming for you. Amen? Coming before you. Let me tell you this. If you get 35 years old, if you get 35 years old and you're still worried about what other people, you're in bad shape, man. You hadn't, you hadn't realized, getting dressed in front of the mirror thinking, well, I wonder if this is popular. You don't know what, you don't understand what life is about yet. If you can get a pair of clothes that will last you through the work day without getting tore up and will keep you warm enough or cool enough and covered and protected, that is what matters, man. An old farm boy has got more sense than anybody who ever even drove through Hollywood, California. Amen? Girls getting dressed to go to school every morning. I wonder if this is going to make me popular or not. You don't have no clue what life is about. You've already spun your life out into the wrong direction. Amen? Oh, I guess we ought to look like Amish. That's not what I said. 
You, you know, they got, they, those Amish people, they have to wear certain things all the time. You know why you have to make rules for people to wear certain things all the time? Because they ain't got sense enough to dress themselves. That's why when, when, the, when the church took over that school, the first thing I said is no more strict uniforms. You know why the military's got uniforms and you have to wear them every day? No matter if you're... Listen, if you're going to fight a war, you need a battle dress uniform. If you're going to work in a dark room, you don't need camouflage. <laughs> but you know why they make them soldiers wear camouflage every day, no matter what their job is or whatever their uniform happens to be? Because they don't know how to dress themselves. And just wear what you want to. One of them would come in with gym shorts... <coughs> One of them would come in something stupid, get hurt on the job or something like that. You got to tell people, all them Amish people, they got to dress in that fuddy duddy uniform they wear because otherwise they're not spiritual people. They're not godly people. So you got to tell them what to wear so they don't wear whatever they want to. You don't, listen, if a Christian has a Christian heart and he's standing in front of his mirror saying, I want to please God. You don't have to worry about what he's going to put on. You don't have to tell them how long their dress is going to be. You don't have to tell them what color their dress ought to be or how long to cut their hair. The problem is how do you get their hearts to that condition? You preach to them and tell them that's the condition their heart ought to be in. I hope you've heard that message tonight. Consider your appearance. Consider how God sees you. Consider how you see yourself. And consider how some other weak brother might see you and how they might be led. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy tonight. Uh, had in mind God of preaching a short sermon tonight. and It was a short, uh, short sermon outline, but it seems like you kind of got involved and had me to say a few things, dear God, that I didn't plan on saying. But Lord, I pray you'd get glory and honor out of it. I pray God you would fits our hearts and lead our hearts and instruct our hearts, God, so that we present ourselves as Christian. Lord, we don't, uh, if we get our hearts right, we don't have to have people to tell us what to wear and what not to wear. When we get our hearts right, God will follow the leadership of the Lord and we'll follow uh, that voice inside of our head that says, that's not right or that's worldly or any such thing as that. Lord, there's so many different kinds of people. There's city folks and country folks, and uh, Lord, there's hillbillies and swamp folks, and there's just uh, there's Europeans and Americans, and Lord, there's all kinds of folks that have different styles and customs. And Lord, this life is not about style; it's not about custom, Lord, but it is about modesty and it's about Christian appearance. And I pray God that whatever our style is, Lord, that we'd be Christian in our appearance, God. Help us, dear God, the things that we allow, the things that we put on, the things that we put in our home and display for others to see. Help us, oh God, not because we have to, but because we love you, to display ourselves in a Christian manner. Lord, again I say, not because we have to, but because the love of Christ constraineth us. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming tonight.